Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mark Wiley and Will George, a day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will. Always entertaining. In fact, our pregame, I wish we taped that. That's just as entertaining as a show sometimes. Uh, episode 160 here for our network. But before we start, and I have uh, Mark introduce our great guest today, I want to just thank our audience, 15,700 subscribers to date. Continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, and I'm asking you to do two more things. Please rate and review us. We're attacking the algorithms and the analytics of the podcast world, much like we do with baseball. So help us out there. We can keep providing you with great content every week, like Mark and Will do on this show. Continue to stream us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. If you have a different device to stream, let me know. I'll make sure we subscribe. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The guys got me out of my cave. I was the last man standing on Facebook. Uh, finally on there. We answer all your questions that you DM me on privately, and I do one question a day online today. Today was about the difference between evaluating and recruiting or signing. 72 countries to date, we got Israel after the Ryan LaVarnway interview. He helped us get into Israel, the starting catcher for the WBC Israeli team. We hit grassroots all the way to Major League Baseball front offices, so we're everywhere. We're just trying to build a better baseball IQ out there and as my good friend Kevin Kernan says and co-host to Coach and Kernan and co-founder of this, we're beholden to no one on this show so we can say what we want. And if you don't like it, I guess don't listen. So with that, I hand it over to Mark to introduce our guest today. We're really pleased uh, to have Blaine Beattie on today. Blaine's been a pitching coach for over 25 years. Um, he had an unbelievable minor league career with some stops in New York uh, Mets and the big leagues. But you know, Blaine is a, a, a longtime friend, uh, co-worker. He, uh, Will George was his pitching coach uh, when he first started his journey. Um, he was drafted four times, um, three times by the Baltimore Orioles, finally signing in 1986 um, uh, out of Baylor University. Uh, his minor league career uh he had a record of 121 and 69 with a 326 earned run average, which is phenomenal. Um, in 1986 to 87, he was in the Baltimore Orioles organization, and he had a record of 28 and nine, I think, through his Baltimore two-year stint. Um, which I will say that you know um, sometimes it's better to be uh, lucky than good because he had Will George as his pitching coach at that time, just to get out of it, uh, was later traded to the New York Mets in 88, which is a shocker to me. I don't know anybody that gets traded after they were 28 and nine in an organization, but, uh, he did. And he went to the Mets from 88 to 91, played in the major leagues and minor leagues there in 92. He was with the Expos in the minor leagues, 93 Pittsburgh Pirates in the minor leagues, 94 and 5 Cincinnati Reds in the minor leagues, and then he finished up back with Pittsburgh from 86 and 87. Um, in the big leagues, he was in the bets, and th this is a shocker because, you know, with the kind of pitcher that, that Blaine was, and we'll hit on that a little bit, um, to only get in seven games in the major leagues when you were a dominant pitcher in the minor leagues, and the seven games you did get in, you didn't give up anything, had a 230 run average. So that's amazing to me that you didn't get more opportunities. In minor league coaching, he 
started in 1998 through 2002 with the Pirates, 2003, 2005 with the Mets. So he kind of went back home to these teams. Um, and then in 2006 to 18, he was back with the Orioles for a long run. Uh, he came over to us when I was the director of pitching operations with the Colorado Rockies as one of our minor league pitching coaches from 2019 and is currently with the Rockies in the same position. Um, the one award he won, which is a shocker to me that he only won one. If you look at his record year by year in the minor leagues, he was a pitcher of the year in the Carolina league in 1987, but he probably should have been pitcher of the year uh, four more times probably throughout his career. So we're really glad to welcome Blaine and, uh, we're really happy to have you on and get some of your insights and for our listeners to understand, you know, a little bit about uh, being a teacher as a pitching coach. Thanks, Mark. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I kind of wanted to start it off with, um, you know, because you had such a long career as a pitching coach, what are some of the most important things that you think you need to instill or teach to, to a minor league pitcher? <clears throat> You know, a lot of that still hasn't changed today. Uh, you know, we talk about the uh, four different aspects of, of pitching, and it, and it always starts with command and control. Uh, you can dispute the second one where, for me, it's change of speeds. Um, third one's always been movement. And, of course, the last thing's been velocity. Now, in my perception of that, you know, I think in our industry some of that, that – uh, has changed. I think velocity has moved up in, in some of those categories where, where that's concerned. But for me, for me, command and control and, and change of speeds have always been my two top strongest points is, is teaching and, and trying to convey that to how important those two are. Um, and I still try to instill that in, in our pitching staffs today. Yeah. The, you know, I know that when you started, uh, when Will was your pitching coach in Newark, and I was the uh, coordinator at that time, um, it was uh, you pitched on a really good team, a lot of college pitchers. And the thing at that time with the Orioles, you know, our, our scouts were trying to get strike throwers, and we had we had pretty good strike throwers uh, that we could run out there every day in the minor leagues. Um, do you feel like that kind of adds to the chemistry of it when you're going out there and you're seeing other guys go out there and pound the strike zone? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It's, it's such a, um, you, you know, it's such a, uh, a strong suit in, in guys ability, uh, and their focus, you know, it's where the emphasis has been put on and it starts at a younger level. You know, I think, um, you know, whether, whether it's pre high school, high school and, and college, uh, the emphasis is not put on, you know, it, most of it's guys that, that show that they can do that, that end up getting those positions. I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it's even taught at, at, a, at, at the lower uh, college and high school levels other than, than stuff or, or uh, velocity. So it, it's, it's so important. And the, the game's been taken away from uh, pitchers where concerns the, even high school and collegiate levels where they're calling their game. So for them to understand and, and know why they're throwing what they're throwing is even, even uh, since been removed from the game for me. 
uh, I can't I can't tell you how much time we spend trying to to get guys to understand why they're throwing what they're throwing or how to set up hitters or how to read hitters and that kind of thing. I know that's a little more advanced, but it's uh, it's definitely been taken out of their hands. So for them to understand is is a big a big asset for them once they grasp that. You know, Blaine, that's, uh, you know, one of the things I always bring up on the podcast here is that, you know, we we were taught and I taught you guys to be your own best pitching coach where you initiate studying hitters and what they can do and what they can't do, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And my analogy was always that if you studied for a test, you truly learned something, but if someone else is always thinking for you, you never learn. You never learn how to think on your feet as a pitcher. And that's one of the biggest, you know, things in, in, you know, guys like Greg Maddox that we've watched for years that thought on their feet, every pitch that they threw, they had a plan that they were able to execute. And, and, and we have other people doing everybody's thinking for them and, calling games for them as opposed to them having a plan in their mind how to go get hitters out. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, who knows what you're, you know, who knows you better than you is especially with what the stuff you have and what you have that day, you know, and, uh, and that's the biggest part going forward. Right. You and know, then, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, when when you know you and you know your stuff, you make pitches that have conviction. We're always teaching guys to make pitches with with conviction. And that's a big part of being a good pitcher. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Blaine, you know, well, as, a pitcher, as a former pitcher and now pitching coach, um, I know we know we talk about analytics on the show uh, constantly and everybody knows our stance on it. But you've got a guy in the mound or let's say you're on the mound and analytics is telling you to throw, you know, a slider at this count to this hitter at with this weather at this time of day, is it better to throw, and this is a message to the parents and the kids out there, is it better to throw that pitch that they're saying mathematically is your best pitch, or would you rather throw uh, maybe a pitch that you felt was the best pitch at that time that day, even if it's uh, the right pitch thrown at the wrong time, um, as opposed to what math is telling you? No doubt about it. It 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 comes down to that the human element of of what you feel and the conviction that you feel throwing that pitch. You know, I, I'll say this about analytics. Um, I think it's got a huge part in this game because it, it it allows us to to see to kind of look inside the the batter a little more and, and look inside ourselves to see what we do best and how we do best. But when it comes down to executing a pitch or you know, like you said, what whatever the weather is that day and the way the way the wind's blowing, how to how 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 analytics says that you need to throw this pitch in this count is I'll always trust the human element part of that. And 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 you can lean on that and it and it can tell you, I mean, how many we always look at the outcomes of okay, this guy can't hit this pitch in that count, but but you're looking at a lot of times you're not looking at the at the at your individual pitch against that guy. You're looking at a clump of other pitchers that have thrown that pitch and that count and and they've had success, but maybe yours maybe yours is is not the same as that guy's breaking ball. It's very it's very vague and it but it gives you some insight, but it's not the one that you should throw. And the one you should throw 
should be the one that you have conviction of based on the, the, how you got to that count and, and the pitch that you feel inside that you can get that out with. So, yeah. So con- context combined with the insight, you know, no doubt. Yeah. no doubt. It helps you make a decision, but that decision has to come down what you feel inside that and where you're at uh, in that count and how you got to that count with that, with those pitches. A great message. Mark, go ahead. You had something you wanted to add. Yeah. You know, I, it was funny because in today's world, um, you'll get my point here in a minute. I, I worked in uh, with Tony Muser when he was managing the, the uh, Kansas City Royals. And, you know, we'd be playing other teams and all of a sudden some guy would come in in the seventh inning. And I mean, the guy was throwing at that time, you know, 98 would have been monstrous and he was throwing really hard. He'd mow us down. And, uh, I go, I'd say, Tony, well, that guy had good stuff, huh? And he goes, oh, yeah, but he's a carny thrower. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you know, like the guys at the carnival. He says, you know, they just rear back. They throw it as hard as they can. And sure, once in a while, they're going to hit that plate. He says, but you can't count on anything. He says, I would never be able to manage that guy because I couldn't count on him. One great outing and then three bad ones. And and he says, those are carny throwers. So I always laughed. That in today's world, you know, with the radar guns, when they started more emphasis on radar guns, they started more emphasis on velocity, you know, we're getting more guys that are trapped into that in professional baseball. That's why, Will, when you go out to watch minor league players, you'll see whole teams of these guys that are carny throwers. Or, uh, and even in the big leagues, uh, probably six of the eight guys in most bullpens are carny throwers. You know, there's, there's there's not enough pitchers. There's not enough command. And like you said, like Tony Muser said, on a given night, yeah, when he throws strikes and he's not up in the middle of the zone, he gets through an inning and you go, wow, he's pretty good. Then I see him two days later and he can't get an out and he throws, you know, I mean, I just finished seeing a player that didn't throw a fastball below 98 and, uh, I saw him two outings. He got two outs and he threw over 70 pitches and gave up nine runs. <laughs> so, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. You know, and he, he's back in triple A now. So, uh, you know, pitching is, is an art. It's not just a, a science of throw hard. No, it's not. And, and, uh, you know, in some organizations that, you know, of course they say I'm rebuilding or, whatever, you see more of that than in others, you know. Um, you know, I just watched that series uh, on television with uh, Oakland playing Tampa. And I've never seen so many waist-high fastballs that they oh. hit out of the ballpark in my life. It's like nobody – they knew how to throw strikes. They didn't know where to throw it. There was nobody got a ball down. Nobody had to dig a ball out to hit it. It was like batting practice. It was really embarrassing. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to, um, you know, during your career, I'd mentioned in, in your introduction, in the introduction about, you know, how well you performed in the minor leagues, even at the major leagues uh, for brief outings. And, uh, you know, how, how did you stay focused, you know, when you returned to the minor leagues and, 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 and be able to maintain 
that quality that you did throughout your career? You know, there, I wouldn't, I, I'll be honest, there was some disappointment. You know, there comes a time where you start asking yourself, am I, do I, do I think I'm good enough? Am I, am I good enough? Uh, you know, I heard, you, you know, coming up, you always hear a lot of different things. Well, you can't do this. You can't do that. You don't throw hard enough. You don't do, you know, so, you know, I just, I kept doing what I continued to do, which was try to get out and pitch to contact and, and, uh, uh, even got better at my my chess game as far as you know reading hitters and how to set them set them up. So, and I felt like I once I got to the big leagues, it kind of exposed me with with a couple aspects where you know controlling the running game or maybe my curveball was a little loopier. And I developed a slider later, and uh, and it and you realize that that they kind of kind of purged me a little bit or purified me a little bit and made my stuff even that much better. So going forward, I felt like I had better stuff later in my career because I knew what I needed to do to, to at least have an attempt at staying at the major league level. But it just, I felt like I, I, I never really got that opportunity to, to, to show my stuff again, but I continued to have great years and, and uh, just took the ball. You know, I, I was left-handed, so I had a lot of opportunity, you know, it was, uh, a lot of teams gave me that uh, that opportunity, and I just I, I never got that shot again. So, but I had a lot of fun, and and um, I just made the best of it, and whatever was in God's hands, and I left it there. You know, it's funny. You know, it, to me, it would have been so much better if if the Orioles wouldn't have traded you because the Orioles had an appreciation for your type of pitcher that maybe some other organizations didn't. I mean, we had Scotty McGregor. Mike Boddicker, you know, Quayar. We had guys that changed speeds that made it, uh, did an unbelievable job at major league level. And so we had appreciation for it. You know, Blaine, you know, Blaine was like right behind Jeff Ballard and Ballard <laughs> getting a lot of starts at the big league level because he had gotten to the big leagues. And I, you know, and this is not a knock on Jeff. He was a good pitcher, but I think you were a better pitcher, Blaine. And I think you had given given the opportunity, you know, you would have you you would have been successful, you know. And from a scout standpoint, I'll break Blaine down. I mean, Blaine had a just about average fastball, but he had plus command. He pitched inside extremely well. He probably had a, a well above average changeup and above average curveball, and uh, he had no fear to throw strikes and, and to attack hitters. And he worked ahead all the time. And when you put all those things together, there's a lot of guys that won a lot of games in the big leagues with that, with that skill set. And then, as you said, you developed a slider later in your career, which was just another look left on left or to get, maybe get into a right-hander under his hands, back foot a little bit better too. You know, it, it's amazing because, you know, Guys like Glavin became Hall of Famers, and Moyer was one of the greatest pitchers of his era. You know, like they weren't so much different than you. No, um, not and no, you were just as athletic as those guys. It's it's amazing to me, you know. And people have to understand sometimes, you know, the 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 pitchers that you're coaching now, they probably don't even realize how good you were when you were a pitcher, and how much you can give to them. You know, and I know, what do you do 
now with all this emphasis on velocity, you know, how do you convince pitchers in today's game the value of change in speeds? Oh, huge. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the beginning of our daily pitcher meetings continues to be changing speeds and pitching in. And I, I can't, I don't say it enough. If I say it once a day or twice a day, it's, I still feel like it's not enough. You know, so many of these guys have this, they feel like they got to throw swing and miss pitches, you know, the, the, the uh, avoiding of pitching to contact. Uh, So, you know, a lot of us just digging in, digging into them and having that mental approach going, Hey, you got to trust your stuff over that white thing. Because I tell you what, if you're ball three all the time, I, statistics show you that when you're 2-0 and 2-1 and 3-0 and 3-1, look at the batting averages. You know, so I try to try to promote uh, them being more aggressive and pitching the contact and early counts and, and stuff. And, you know, if, if, if analytics and data are one facet of teaching – that's what I use, you know, look at these batting averages and these counts. And when you get in there that look at, doesn't matter how hard you throw. If you, if you get in these counts, this is what can happen is that their average shoots through the roof. So uh, I definitely promote that and, and changing speeds, uh, you know, how to, what, why are you doing that? You know, hard in, soft away, soft away, hard in. So I really preach that on a daily basis, uh, especially in the bullpens and their touching fields on, on, on a, on a daily basis. I wish the major league, you know, broadcasters would, would be able to describe this when a guy does change speeds and do a good job with that, because you hardly hear anything about that nasty slider. Look at that. Velocity. Look at the spin rate up above top of the zone. You never, they never stroke the guy that knows how to pitch. Yeah. You know? well, I, I, I will tell you guys, I, uh, Listen to Ron Darling. He's really, really good. Uh, and, you know, watch some Mets broadcasts. Uh, I always listen to the TV feed when I'm in New York. I was just in there recently. Um, he brings a lot of insight. And if any kids are listening, any minor league kids are listening, you know, and he talks about some successful sequences, how they work how they work with hitters. He is really, really – him and Keith Hernandez, I think, are two of the better um, guys that are on the air every day. Um, I always enjoy when I go into New York or I'm doing the Mets to listen to their feed uh, because they are very good. That's good to hear. I I know both those guys pretty well. Yeah. That's nice. I don't get a chance to hear their broadcast. That's nice to hear that because we need more of it. You know, it's funny because – you know, so much is emphasis put put on for you know power hitters and launch angles, and they don't get really the 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 word is they don't really care if guys strike out. And then on the other end of it, on the pitching end of it, they put so much on stuff and velocity and how many strikeouts you can get. You know, sure, because they figure if you strike a guy out, when nothing bad can happen, right? Right, it can't, be a, it can't be a flare, you know, but. On the other hand, all the guys that strike a lot of guys out in the big leagues that are successful, they have the command element and they have yes. other pitches that people don't like to talk about that much. You know, like most most great strikeout pitchers that have big fastballs 
a good curveball. Have an unbelievable breaking ball. That's really where they get their strikeouts. Randy Randy Johnson's a perfect example. You know, like they're throughout the history of baseball, the guys that threw real hard guys got to catch up, and they're cheating. And then the breaking ball, you know, especially if you got one of those guys that's hitting a pane of glass with his breaking ball and it drops off, they got no chance. You know, and it's, it's and it's usually it's not a and it's usually not a sweeper. It's a depth breaking ball. It's breaking yes. ball that has it has down down break because you can't catch up up and you can't catch up down on those two things. You can't, you know, you just can't. Yeah. So you know, so the elite pitchers that strike people out, it's not because they throw hard. They're striking people because they have command and they have a secondary pitch. And that's you don't hear that that often. Look yeah. at Otani. Look how good Otani is. There's no way anybody could hit a split that throws as hard as he does, as hard as his fastball is. Yeah. No. no. No chance. You got no chance. I don't care who you are. Blaine, what was your strikeout pitch? Um, you know, I've been asked that question a lot of times, and 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 uh, my answer is always my ability to uh, set hitters up and and get them looking for something that they're and and just you know creating a swing and miss pitch that they're not looking for. Uh, you know, Will said that I, I would probably have to say if I had to narrow it down to one pitch, it would probably probably be the changeup, just because it was it wasn't necessarily a strikeout pitch, but it was more of a swing and miss because I, I had such good command and and I could locate, and I felt like you know to today what they call it is tunneling, and I was really good at that down and away fastball, and I could throw that changeup out of that same spot. And, and, and you weren't afraid to pitch inside the right-handers and you got no. it in there and you stayed in there. But, you know, that's yep. something on our scouting reports. Um, you know, you know, we define an out pitch. And a lot of times to me, it's, it's, it's good sequencing and command is the yep. out pitch. It's, it's, it's not a truly just one pitch yeah. that you go to. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of guys that gets outs because of sequencing and command, not sheer stuff. Right. That's where I would put myself. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you said earlier, Blaine, about context. It's less about yeah. it. I've got a question for all three of you guys. I always feel ganged up on because I'm a hitter here and I, I, I always have three pitchers on the show. <laughs> so like- I get a catch around, but they always take the side of the, the pitchers. So when, we saw the we saw the injury with you know we're talking about you gave your order Blaine where command was number one for you, um, sure. pitching. Nowadays these kids are chasing velocity. We saw that unfortunate injury to Kyle Farmer two nights ago. Um, a, a fastball got away from Lucas Giolito, um, and you could tell by his reaction it wasn't intentional. I guess my question is when when you guys were playing and even now that you're coaching. There's a certain way to brush a guy back or move a guy back off the plate. Um, what what are some things that you worked on? Uh, you know, maybe with Will and Mark, or you're doing now to help teach guys to to move a guy off the plate. And um, h- how do you move their feet? What are the ways you move their feet? Because I think that's the key, right? With a hitter, I didn't like my feet moved. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start yeah, you know, out on it. Um, you know, for me, it's just that that vacant spot between the catcher and the hitter uh, just so that they, they don't get comfortable. And you do see a lot of guys that tend to lead middle away and guess what they're teaching for hitters, you know, to look middle out all the time. And 
and and and it's not just in and in for effect. It's your ability to execute a fastball on the inner part of the plate for a strike as well. And the last time I checked, that you know, I know the plate's shrinking, seems to be shrinking with with uh, with all the the equipment they got in the strike zones, and they you know they're measuring guys now in spring training so that they're calibrated right. But just having the ability to to utilize that whole plate. Uh, is still a big asset for pitchers that they're not just throwing at one part of that plate. I know there's a lot of guys that uh, more relievers that have success throwing to to down and away or slider guys, whatever. But just utilizing the whole plate and being able to get that fastball in for a strike and being able to hit that vacant spot on the other side uh, to get or move move guys' feet. The focus for me has always been uh more of uh, middle middle of the body you know head high catcher in off not not head hunting or looking in a guy's eyes when you're turning it loose yeah. which can be dangerous so you know i think i think you hit it on the head you know the ability to throw strikes inside also you know like hitters in the major leagues they worry a lot more about getting jammed than they do getting hit no doubt and so when you can command the ball inside and make quality pitches you know, you'll have you'll have the guy where you want him anyway because he's going to be so conscious because he got jammed inside that he's going to try to protect against that area. It's probably even better than knocking a guy down. Now, back in my day, um, you know, the, you, you looked for reasons to knock guys down um, if they, you know, if they showed you up. And, I mean, today's world, I mean, everybody shows everybody up every day for me. Um, so that's kind of out the out the out the window. They all have the same agents, but pitching inside is commanding the ball. And I think people get you know I've been been a pitching coach on a team, and our offense is out. Uh, you know we're hitting, and uh, they got a guy that can't command the ball at all, pitching against him, and he tries to pitch the guy in, and he hits him. You know, and I can tell you how many times I screamed over to the other bench. I said, get the guy some command or don't let him pitch inside because you have to have command to go in there. So when guys are getting hit really bad, look what kind of command that guy has. And, you know, he probably ought to go back to the minor leagues and learn how to pitch and command the ball. Very, very much. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with all that. I think, um, you know, generationally kids that grew up pitching against aluminum bats, pitched away and didn't realize the enjoyment of breaking a bat as a pitcher. Right. You know, when, when, you know I mean, ha, how much did all of us love to get in, me and Blaine being a lefty, get in on a right-hander who was diving, trying to get a sinker or change up away and break his bat in half at 84 miles per hour and just kind of laugh. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, but that's effectively pitching inside. And when you move the ball around and you move home plate, Mark, as we've talked about so many times, that that, that was one of your big things that I know I taught. Um, you don't have to go eight inches off the plate inside. You know, when you when you move the plate by, you see a hitter leaning out over the plate. You don't even have to, you know, you don't even have to come close to hitting him. You you throw it inside third in and he breaks his bat because he's looking away, diving. So 
you know what you know the, like you said they don't have as much of they don't grow up with an appreciation for breaking bats or pitching inside and having the value of it and so we that's one thing we had to teach them when they come into the into the minor leagues and I know you've had to do that you know as far as your your techniques of the of command in teaching it what are some of the things you do to be able to teach guys to command the ball, regardless of what side of the plate he's throwing to? Uh, you know, we still set up string lines. Uh, uh, we still uh, uh, start out like bullpens and stuff. We set up catchers to glove side. We always try to find the, the hardest part, which is usually executing glove side fastballs to be able to command that. Um, I think some of the structure of bullpens are not, emphasized on throwing the ball over the plate and having the ability to command pitch. You know, I've seen, I've, I've watched bullpens and, and two thirds of their pitches are, are got good break and good velo, but they're, they're off the plate. You know, they're not, they're not enough pitches and the focus and emphasis needs to be more on the plate. It's easier to work off than it is on. And, and you got to fill, you got to fill it, you know, the higher levels you go, they're going to make you throw it over the plate. So I always talk about just be able to throw your stuff on the plate for a strike. Find out what that what that movement and that delivery is to to execute and put those pitches over the plate. You know, it's 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 amazing, and because we have to do things because guys haven't experienced it. You know, I can tell you, we you know spent many hours. I know you have with video of pitches, let's say inside that have value. And see how they how difficult it is for the hitter to handle them, particular if you're set up for it. Um, I'll tell you what I did uh, one time. I think it was an instructional league. I took uh, strings and and I I ran the strings off of where the barrel of the bat would be um, if you pitched inside to where in order to keep the ball fair where you'd have to hit that pitch and. I use strings to the outfield. And so now we got a 15 foot strip going down the left field line is the only place the guy could hit the ball hard if you pitched in. Um, so the field got real small for hard contact. You know, there was no, there's no hard contact when you make a pitch in for a strike. The guy has to react. He's got to react early and the fastball uh, the fastball is actually harder in than it is away. The same velocity trans, uh, uh, transfers to being harder when it's inside. And, uh, you know, and I showed the strings. I said, here's a bar barrel. Here's where that guy has to hit the ball. So it's a very small field in order to hit the ball hard. And I did stuff like that so they would have visuals because they never grew up with them. Right. You know, you know, Mark, to that point, I would say in the last five years, I don't think I've seen 10 guys pull their hands in and get to a good fastball in and keep it fair. Um, and in, in the era that we're in where everybody's trying to hit the ball in the air and hit it over the fence, swings have gotten longer and loopier. So pitching inside – to me, I mean, if you can execute inside on the hands and throw change-ups, I think right there you could probably get 15 outs every night that you go out and pitch doing that. 
because because of the hitters' approaches, not too many guys cut their swings down. It's the same long try to drive the ball swing all the time. Uh, you know, it's it's not like when we played where guys had a two strike approach and and or came up and and looked away and were, were happy to hit a line drive over the second baseman's head. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's funny because back in the day. Um, the better hitters, you know, they use the off field really well. Right. And, and they would tell me, uh, you know, I can't really hit that pitch in if a guy can stay in there. He said, but what I do is I try to cheat during one of my at-bats to hit a ball really hard. I don't care if it's fair or foul. But I want to hit it really hard, even though it's not my game, to keep them from going in there. Because I'm uncomfortable in there, my game is out away from me. Because if I'm looking out away, I can hit the fastball away. I can hit the break. I can stay on the breaking ball. I can stay on the changeup better. Everything's makes me a better hitter than me having to worry about fastball in. So that's why they cheated to try to get them out of there. But they had no, no doubt that they had difficulty if I had a guy that could stay in there. So true. No, and they don't like it. You know, you can see how pissed off hitters get when when guys pitch inside effectively. And if it's actually off the plate, then that's when they get really angry. But a lot of times the ball's on the plate, and if the umpire calls it a strike and it is a strike, they get even more pissed off. Yeah. Blaine, how would you transfer this to the youth now? We've got a lot of young kids and, and uh, you know grassroots players throughout the world listening. Uh, great, great conversation about – command and, and handling the inside pitch, how would you translate to these young kids that are indoctrinated now into chasing velocity as opposed to command? Um, you know, I, I'll just say, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the coaching. You know, the coaches are taking so much charge of of the pitching and the pitch selections and, and stuff like that. And, and it, uh, you know, we, we had that conversation a little bit yesterday, Dave, where we were talking about – uh, these kids learning how to, to be successful or failing on their own. You know, uh, uh, so many coaches' careers depend on on the outcome of games and wins and stuff. So they're they're taking charge of of controlling the game uh, at all levels, and and uh, and they 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 tend to pitch away from that aluminum bat, like Mark was saying. Uh, guys, just you know, they feel like that that they're going to have more success being away than they are in. If, if it's an in pitch is a lot of effect, but, but just being able to utilize and execute pitches to both sides of the plate is, has so much value. And, and you can get statistically, you know, there's another example. It's like, what, what is the, what is the amount of uh, volume of pitches inside versus away? You know, you have more data on pitches away than you do in because not enough guys pitch in there. So, and the quality of pitches in there. So um, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is, especially in today's uh, is being able to pitch in there because when guys realize the value of what that does and it, how, how much easier it makes to pitch away with, with other pitches, uh, you, you, you'd ask yourself, why, why didn't we do this before and see what the outcomes would be? It's like you don't ever know until you learn how to, to go in there, the value what, of inside, what inside can do and controlling the inside pitch does. 
You know, it's funny you talk about game calling. I, I probably 17 years I I call the pitches for two games, maybe over my entire career. And that was only because we had a rookie catcher come in. We had an injury and we had a catcher that didn't know the pitchers. He didn't really, you know, he really wasn't up to speed. He probably wasn't ready to be in the big leagues, but I wanted him to be able to help the pitcher. So I said, I'll make suggestions. You look at me. If the, if the pitcher shakes it off, he just go with what the pitcher wants. But I will tell you this. For all the people that call all these pitches for pitchers, the only guys you can call pitches for are guys that command the ball. Right. Because when I call a pitch from the dugout, sometimes you can't tell whether it's inside or outside where the pitch ends up, right? Yes. So so when I call a pitch away, and it's a pitch that I have confidence the pitcher has great command and he can do it, and he misses, I know he missed away. So – I can make a good judgment on what I want to call next. So these guys are calling pitches for guys that can't command anything. <laughs> so it makes absolutely no sense for somebody to call a game unless you have an elite command pitcher that you're trying to help. Because when you call a fastball in, you know he can get it in there. And if he misses, he's probably going to miss in off. So it sets up the breaking ball or the change up and you can get people ch- cheating and all that stuff because you're playing off a guy's command. If a guy doesn't have command, that's what blows my mind in these colleges and high schools. These kids don't have any command, and the coaches are calling pitches. Yep. I saw a coach call a breaking pitch, a curveball, with bases loaded, like in the last inning of a game, in a one-run game, to walk in a run when that guy hadn't thrown a breaking ball for a strike the entire game. Wow. It's, and I'm it, like, well, he did that. And you know what his, his I know what his argument was, because I've asked guys where they go, well, if he could have got it over, I know he could have got him out. That's a hell of a freaking comment. Isn't instead it? of challenging him. What would yep. you say? What would your, you best, say? your best area. No doubt. What would you say the biggest percentage of coach calling pitches for players would or pitchers would be in, in, in high school and college? What would be the percentage that you would say? Um, that they call their most, game. Most places is a hundred percent. Yeah. Most places it's a hundred percent. And I would tell you this, and Will knows him, Dick Egan, who's a well-known scout. He was working in instructional league. This is how far back it goes. This is back like in the eighties. And we were sharing a complex and he was at the Texas Rangers at the time and he was running their pitching, and I was running it for the Orioles. We were sharing the complex, and him and I were talking one day, and he said, Mark, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? He says, you know, I got all my catchers and all my pitchers. I had a big meeting, and I asked him how many guys called their own game. This was in the 80s. And he said not one hand went up. Wow. He said one guy's hand kind of – Kind of went up and he says, yes, did you? And he says, does it count if I got to call two pitches a game? <laughs> That's what Dick says. Can wow. you believe that? And that was in the 80s, fellas. That's 40 years they've been calling pitches. I had that in 89, uh, our second round pick with Cleveland uh, out of University of Texas in A-ball. I asked him why he called a pitch. He said, I don't know. I've never called a pitch in my life. 
Wow. He said, I, I just started catching my senior year of high school. My coach called every pitch. My summer ball coach called every pitch, and my college coach called every pitch. I don't know. I have no idea why I would call any pitch. Okay. I will tell you that I asked I, I, I asked a, a, a prominent, I won't mention his name, prominent college baseball coach who has since retired, but he was in the college world series multiple times. He, he, uh, you know, they had won it. Uh, he was a very high profile guy. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, what's that? I said, why do you call the pitches for every pitcher? And he said, because I don't want my career in the hands of a 19 year old. There you go. And I said, uh, I didn't say it to him, but I thought this, I said, it would make a difference if you knew what the hell you were doing. If you yeah. knew how to call the game, it might make some sense. But like I said earlier, these kids didn't have command, so it made no sense. And th- But I did say this. I said, you know, college is a higher education. Don't you think you should push players to be educated in their sport and know how to do it? No doubt. No you doubt. Know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist because I went, I went to a college where the college coach was a Hall of Fame coach. And he taught us how to call a game. And he taught us hitter reaction. He taught us the effects of change in speeds. He taught us all that. These guys don't teach it. They just call the pitch. Right. They don't have time for it. You know, with all the rules and restrictions uh, of time limits that you can spend with players now, it's just time efficient. You know, we've gotten away from teaching. And and that's the biggest deficit I see is like, you know, most of these pitchers that come in here, it's like, I'm coaching the I'm coaching the catcher more than I am as Absolutely. as much as I am the pitcher because I know that he's going to lean on him so much. Uh, Again, absolutely, the if, pitcher catcher meetings are important, and even at the major league level, I had I had to build really good relationships with all my catchers because no I wanted them to be able to help the pitchers. I wanted to give them some of the. The, the, the things to look for, things that were limits with certain pitchers or pitches, and uh, to help them call a better game. Yep, no doubt. Yeah. You know, again, if, if, if nobody ever critically thinks and does things on their own, they never learn anything. And, and, and that's what we have. We have generations of kids where somebody else has done all their thinking on a baseball field. You know, we – you know, we grew up learning how to pitch, not learning how to throw hard. Right. Um, and 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 we we had success with things, and you go, oh wow, that works good. <laughs> and then you start, and then you start to realize why it works good as you start yep. to dig in, and you're and you're taught, and you're learned, and and you learn from people that have wisdom that have been around the game, and go, you know, the reason why that strike the ball curveball works for you is because you can pound the zone down. You can get run your fastball up, and now the guy's got to cheat a little bit, and he's going to swing and miss Right. If, it, if it's tunneled properly or if it looks the same, which means the same thing. Coming out of my hand, it looked the same. Right. Well, we, you know, the thing is, is that you hit on the head. It's it's not just baseball. It's society that they've been, they've been, they've been told everything to do and and when to do it. And, you know, it's funny. You see in today's world, you, you could flash back on your own experiences when you've gone into a business to ask for something uh, to get done and they want you to do all the work. 
they want you to do all the work to find it. When they're when you're asking to buy something from them, they want you to do all the work. And they want you to fill out everything rather than just go in there and say, hey, I, I'd like to, can you find this for me? I need this. Can you fill out this questionnaire? Can you fill out this uh, thing and maybe I can find it? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Hey, Mark. Mark, there was something I'd like for you to bring up, and and this is something I know that over the years working with you, uh, the difference in the separation between control and command and the importance of command over just control, Um, you know, especially in evaluating a pitcher, you know, if, you know, there's a lot of strike throwers that just can't command the ball or they're fearful, fearful to throw pitches and command the ball or whatever, for whatever reason, if you're in that middle of the third of the plate all the time, you're going to get hit hard. Whereas, you know, you know, I always thought that, you know, that was something that as an evaluator or as a coach, you were trying to teach guys to be able to make pitches. That's, that's what I fought for on many scouting, um, Early in my years, when I, you know, used to go into scouting, uh, when I wasn't wasn't coaching, and and I fought for that. I got that on on our scouting forms because they used to just have control. And right. I said, I said a guy can have phenomenal control. That's that's walks per innings. I said, you know, the guy might walk two guys in nine innings. That's excellent. I said, but command can he command it inside, in and outside the strike zone? I said, because that's what pitchers have to do. And you know, I, uh, you know, it made a big difference because I I told I used to argue with scouts. I said, you can have eight control on a on a on a two to eight uh uh chart. And I said, you can have eight control and you can have three command. That means you can throw strikes, but you can't move the strike or go to different parts of the strike zone. You can pound the strike zone, but you can't move the ball. You know, and, uh, uh I got a really funny story. I think we all know Pete Vukovic. Yeah. And um, when analytics came in, Pete was still scouting and he was talking to one of their data people and he said, well, hey, why don't you look at my numbers? And they go, oh, wow, you were wild. (laughs) And uh, he goes, really? I was wild, huh? Well, you know, we I, I think we all know Pete had a great change up. He had great command. And there were times Pete walked people because he walked people because he wanted to walk the people. But he, he made pitches when he had to make pitches against the hitters to get him out. That's why he won a Cy Young Award. And, yeah, okay, he walked 4.3 guys. He might have walked three of them to get to the next hitter during that game. But that's not in a stat. Right. And right. You know, he, he had seven command of his pitches or 70 command, which is well above average. Yeah. So, Blaine, you're doing what you had mentioned yesterday. You're doing a lot of work with kids um, in your downtime, which is great. We need more people like you um, in the grassroots level. There's so many gurus out there, Mark, and Will and I talk about it all the time, and parents can't tell the difference. Could you give them a little bit of advice on, I mean, We've talked a lot of great stuff today. What, what kind of advice uh, can you give to some of these parents to help tell the difference between somebody like yourself? You know, and- the, 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 the thing that, that we talked about yesterday a little bit, Dave, was just, you know, the, 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 the pitching pool of kids to give them success 
is to get back to the to the roots, grassroots of it all, and and the basic uh, fundamentals of pitching, where it's controlling the strike zone, developing a delivery. Uh, it's not chasing velocity. I, I think I think that can be detrimental. You know, I know I know they like it. It's it's a, a it's it's a shiny object for for younger kids and parents. You know, because the, the the dollar value that's been put on velocity and stuff. But I I emphasize so much. I go, hey, you're younger, you're young. If you learn how to pitch, and then and then later as you develop, you get velocity then you got something special, but I'm going to make you competitive. I want to make you competitive because you have the ability to throw strikes, change speeds, uh, create some movement. And if you get velocity, then you can be really something special. But I'm going to tell you what, the stuff that you learn at these, these lower levels to be competitive, it's like, and you hear parents talk about, it's like, well, he doesn't throw hard enough. I said, yeah, but does he throw strikes and get outs? And that's what needs to be emphasized, especially at the at these younger kids. Um, you know, I, w- I couldn't break a pane of glass when I came out of high school. Uh, I walked on at a JC, uh, got the opportunity, developed, uh, ended up getting some velocity. And, you know, the rest is history with the, with with my career as an individual. But, you know, that's what needs to be taught is you, you'll have a bigger pool of, of better quality pitchers than chasing velocity because uh, I, the art of, for me, command and control. And, and, I mean, you see it in games now. Guys are throwing 100 pitches and they're, not, they're in the fourth inning. Uh, you know, there's not enough emphasis put on at the lower, le- you know, lower younger kids that, that throw strikes, challenge hitters, see what your stuff does. Uh, and, and you see – and this is no knock against uh, Driveline or any of the other companies that that try to create arm arm speed and velocity. It's like, well, why don't we start out with just a throwing program, just to see how, how you're going to uh, respond with that and play catch more before right. you start going off into these. I mean, how do you not throw harder if you're going to spend more time working on throwing? So, um, I, I just really emphasize how important it is for for our today's youth to, to focus on throwing strikes and pitching to contact and developing pitches. Uh, velocity has always been on the last part of the burner for me because it's something that comes with development and, and maturity. Uh, and if you, if you get a pitcher that knows how to pitch and he gets velocity, you can really have something special. I mean, we saw it in our, in our generation back in the, at the major leagues, there was not very many guys that didn't throw hard that had really good command that were going six, seven innings and even nine back in the day that threw all through strikes. So um, that's what you start looking at is the track record and the history of where our industry is today. And, and uh, I will continue to emphasize the ability to execute and throw pitches for strikes. Yeah. And Mark and Will, preach that every week and I haven't known two better pitching guys in my lifetime and it's good to hear you reiterate that uh, guys we're coming up on an hour here we've got we've, we've had Blaine here for that long it's going by quickly um, any last questions for him as we move on I got I got one um Blaine uh who introduced you to your wife uh, <laughs> uh there's a matchmaker that has introduced several of their wives to the, to them 
And I, I, I thank you every day, Will, for, for, for doing that. That was funny. That was, that's a, that, that would take another hour to fill out that story, but, uh, well, Blaine um, has a, a, a beautiful wife inside, outside. She's very, very nice person. And Blaine was having a great year in Hagerstown, Maryland. And <laughs> this girl would be just staring at him going, Blaine, that girl, she's in love with you. And he's, no, he was kind of shy. <laughs> well, finally, I had to go over and break the ice and, and take him and make him go meet her one night and they hit it off, and the rest is history. How many I mean, years? We got a new show on our hands, Will. Instead of pitching, we got to add on matchmaking. Well, I, uh, I introduced Brooks Carey to his wife, who uh, was one of my teammates with the Orioles. So I, I do have a pretty good track record. So. Yeah, yeah, Brian Graham's wife as well. That's right, Brian Graham's yeah. wife. <laughs> We're missing our calling here, Will. Yeah, yeah, stay away from Will unless you want to get married. Yeah, exactly. I'll start calling him Cupid. Yeah, um, <laughs> there you, there little, you go, little Cupid. Yeah, Mark, what do you got? You got anything last for Blaine? No, I think I'm good. I, I I'm really glad we got Blaine on to give people, you know, an idea of what a truly professional pitching coach in professional baseball thinks and what he feels is important um, to get it across to to our listeners. Is great. I think you guys always bring on great guests, and the part that I always enjoy. I, I love the relationship that you and Will have. Um, you know, I was teasing before the show that you guys you guys bust each other all day, but it's um, everybody should uh, should strive to have the, the kind of relationship you guys had as both colleagues and then uh, mentor and player, and then the guys you bring on. Uh, they, they all have a sense of reverence for what you guys have given to the game, and I hope our audience gets that from the guests you bring on. It's it's pure. It's 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 how baseball should be. So you guys represent all the good that's in baseball. And, I appreciate it, and so does our group that listens. I've got one more for Blaine here, and actually, you led into it well. We, we didn't even we didn't even uh, get in on this one, but Blaine, you, you know, we everybody in our lives, we've all had people that sacrifice to help us do what we want to do, especially those of us that have been like on this show in professional sports. It's tough on you, but it's also without that someone with you, it's hard to to uh, to accomplish what you've accomplished. Talk a little bit about uh, your wife and, and specifically what kind of sacrifices she made and what you're appreciative of that that's helped you achieve what you've achieved in baseball. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, it, it goes way back as, you know, even flop, flopping over into coaching, it just her ability to, 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 to travel and be, be a family. And, and that was what was important to her and, and us as a family and, and her ability to homeschool our son all the way through 12, you know, 12 grades and, and being with us, the, you know, just, Everywhere we went, they went, and and just having that uh, that uh, relationship and 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 uh, that family time is so important in this today's world. Uh, and I know yourself, Dave. You you do you've done the same thing with you and your family, and and just how important and, and the stability it creates within that 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 uh, you know being apart is just way too hard in this game, and and any women or wives that are, that are involved in that, how important that, that is to, to be. And I support that, that we've got some coaches here now, their wives travel and they, they, they teach via online and, and stuff like that. So uh, it is so important to the individual and the, and the coach and the, and the players that, that their wives support and be, be part of that. And uh, I support that 100%. It, it, I couldn't have done what I did 
without her her being a part of that. So I, yeah, no, it's awesome. words words well spoken, and that's that's the thing. I always talk to my wife about this after the show. The the respect level that both Bark and Will pay to their wives, uh, both you know during shows sometimes, but when we're talking before and then afterwards. I hope our audience gets that as well um, because sure. it's uh, that family that makes baseball so great. And, uh, and no Mark, doubt about it. Yeah. Yep. No, I appreciate Mark and how you guys exude that. And I'd, I'd like to, I'd also like to, to, to thank Mark and Will for all the things and the impacts that they had in my life. Uh, they're, they're way up there. I can't even explain or begin to share how important and the impacts that those guys made in my, my life and my career. So, uh, I love both you guys, man. You're great, great people. And, and thank you for having me on. Well, we thanks, love thanks, you guys. You're, great, you're a great, uh, friend and, uh, I've always enjoyed every moment we've always spent together. And even when we don't see each other, we always talk and, uh, it's always good to be together and talk. So, yeah, and I, I always, I always classify you guys as great baseball men, but uh, I think that's too narrow. Great men, and, and certainly, I appreciate your mentorship as well. Um, to our audience, you got a good one today. Another good one by Wiley and Will. A day at the yard, common sense pitching on Real Voices of the Game production. Fifteen thousand seven hundred subscribers. I'm sure it's going to jack up this weekend once we put this show out there. Download, listen, like, subscribe. Make sure you rate and review so we can beat the algorithm there and continue to give you great content every week. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher, those are our streaming devices. If you have another one, let us know. We'll subscribe to it. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll get back to you on Facebook, direct message. I'm open to that stuff. If you have a great question, I'll put it online that day. We are hitting 72 countries right now. Blaine, got any countries you want to push us to, get us to 73? Uh, uh. I wish I knew all of them. Uh, especially, I didn't know there were to be honest with you. Is Mexico one of them? We got them, yeah. We got them. I'll give yeah. you the list. You can help us out. Yes, um, never know. Yeah. The grassroots all the way to MLB front offices were being listened to everywhere. Just trying to build better baseball IQs out there. And I think, uh, Mark and Will, thank you so much for what you do with our network and the shows that you provide and the, the transparency with which you, you bring about your interviews and the great guests you have. So thanks again, everybody here. Great show, guys. A great show, Mark and Will. Great Thanks, show, Dave. Thanks, Thanks, Blaine. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, guys. Stay on, Blaine.